I think it's almost impossible to walk around the valley in the eastern end when Half Dome is in view and not look at it. I mean, how do you not look at it? I still find myself, like every time I go to Mirror Lake, you know, I bike up there, I'm kind of staring at the pavement when I bike up there and I park my bike and I stand up and I just look up at the thing and it's like, jeez, okay, it's, it's huge. I, I'd forgotten how big it is. And um, that, I feel like that happens to me you know, at least once a week with Half Dome. Think about where Half Dome actually is. It's at the far end of the valley. Think about all the things that, that, have, that are starting to accrete on one's imagination. Um, you have Bridevel Fall, El Capitan, Cathedral Rock, Cathedral Spires, Sentinel Rock, Sentinel Fall, Yosemite Fall. And then suddenly there, as if you've seen it all, just standing out there stark against the blue sky, is Half Dome. It does appear to be almost a kind of design, but it's the happenstance of erosion that things worked out that way. The first geologist to interpret Half Dome kind of assumed that the other half of the dome just cleaved away in one catastrophic event. And that would be kind of a, a neat, tidy story for how it formed, but we really don't think that it formed that way. There's, there's really not any evidence for that. So instead, it, it's a more typical geologic story where there are several different things going on over really long time periods. Basically, there's glacial erosion, steepening the faces, and there's this process of exfoliation and rockfall from the shear face uh, that, that just slowly change the shape of that, of that rock formation through time. Everyone has that sense that it's unique, that, there, that there's something literally singular about it. There's, there's no other place no other object like this on the face of the earth. I think that's part of the, the charisma. I mean, let's face it, that's what we're really talking about. Some rocks have it and some rocks don't. And Half Dome is charismatic. You know, it's the icon of Yosemite, really, probably more famous and more people probably know Half Dome or know Yosemite through the image of Half Dome than any other rock here. You can, in probably two lines, make an image of Half Dome that somebody on the other side of the world will recognize as Half Dome. I mean, it's that distinctive of an icon. It's still just a mirror, it's just a reflection of the power that Half Dome has on, on our imagination, that we try to duplicate or replicate, you know, that, that power in little trinkets or, or medallions or, or what have you. Because people recognize that when they hold that thing, they're holding to some degree an aspect of Yosemite, a dimension of Yosemite. There's something about the shape of it, the size of it, and also how nature itself has composed how we see it. I mean, that's the thing that's so important about this. It's not half dome viewed from other angles. From almost any other angle, it doesn't really look like a half dome. I can't say what it does look like because it sort of has a unique appearance from, from all those other angles. Talking to people on the trail who are hiking right behind it, this huge overwhelming presence on their left, and they don't even realize it's half them. And they're going, well, what, how, how far is it to the top? And you go, well, it's right there. Go, oh, that's half them? <laughs> what did you think it was? <laughs> you know? But it doesn't, they just have that one mental picture. Half dome is perfectly inaccessible, being probably the only one of all the prominent points about the Yosemite, which has never been and never will be trodden by human foot. And that's a quote from Josiah Whitney in 1870. Five years later, it got climbed by George Anderson. I think that was a dare more than anything else.
Well, a lot of it's the sheerness of it. It just looks so so impossible from all directions that uh, I think that attracts people and they really feel like they've done something. It's tempting to think of, of Half Dome as part of the rim of Yosemite Valley, but it's not. I mean, it's a full thousand feet or more higher than the rest of the rim of the valley. And so when you, when you get up on top of Half Dome, you're not just looking down into Yosemite Valley, you're actually looking down on the whole landscape of Yosemite Valley. I mean, you're looking down on the rim too. And it's hard work. Let's just face it, let's just cut right to the chase there. It is difficult, it is hard, as far as your heart and lungs, even if you're in, your, in, your good, in good shape, it's still taxing. It's a heck of a hike. <laughs> People always ask, well, how many miles is it to Dome? And I say, miles don't matter, it's 5,000 vertical feet. So it's a physical challenge, but it's a delightful hike. It's a spectacular hike because you get to walk by Vernal Falls and Nevada Falls, and you get to walk through Little Yosemite Valley. It's kind of like this natural staircase, you know, leading you up to Half Dome. But then, boom, you arrive at the subdome, and there's the cables right in front of you. And because you're looking straight at them, they look really steep. And it's funny to just sit up there and listen to people. People get up to that point, and they're breathing hard. And they pop over the top of the subdome. Boom, there's the cables. And the first thing out of their mouth is, no way, not doing it, not going up there. But you, then you just sit there and you listen to them. They stop and they have some water and they eat their lunch. And 95% uh, of those people go ahead and they keep going and they do it. And then when they get down, you listen to those same people again. And they're just high. They are just flying because they did it. And they got that experience at the summit and they surprised themselves by being able to go up the, the cables. It's an exposed place. It's exposed in terms of heights. So you can fall off of it and a fall it's most likely going to be fatal. It's exposed to the elements, which means that you know it can um, get pretty cold up there in a hurry. And it's, I think, most importantly exposed to things like thunderstorms. And Half Dome gets hit by lightning all the time. There's really no place to seek shelter when you're up there. You just have to get down. The problem is you, you, know, you have to get down in a hurry, and sometimes if there are a lot of people up there all trying to get down the same route, um, you, you can't get down nearly as fast as you probably would like to. One of the biggest hazards up on the dome itself is the weather. Most of the accidents we've had on the cable occurred when the rock was wet. If you're wearing running shoes, shoes without good rubber on them, it's almost impossible to keep your feet under you. And that's what's happened on some of those accidents. People were in running shoes, it started to rain, they turned around to go down, and they just simply couldn't keep their feet under them and we've had fatalities from lightning. We've had a lot of near misses from lightning. Any chance of rain, any chance of lightning, just save it for another day. Go enjoy some other part of the park. Go for a hike farther up the Merced. Do something, that's not the place to be. Half Dome presents a lot of classic dilemmas in wilderness management. We're getting a lot of first-time visitors to wilderness up there, which is great. And they are being introduced to wilderness and having this wonderful experience. That's something we want to encourage. It's wonderful. But there's so many of them <laughs> that on some days it's not really much of a wilderness experience anymore. There are a lot of people up there. There's no way to say to yourself, I'm alone in this world when you're hiking a half dome. There's people in front of you, there's people behind you, there's people beside you, there's people that you pass as you're making your way up, there's people that pass you as you're making your way up. You know, so there's this collective movement towards elevation and illumination.
when people are walking to the top of Half Dome. And where else do you have that, except in that, in that sacred sense of people in a pilgrimage? You know, I've been up there when there's a thousand people going up the cables in lines, and, and a solid line of people all the way up the cables, and people waiting to get on, people waiting to get down. And I think it's great that people have that opportunity to get up there. And I, like I said, I'm impressed that some of the people that make it up there, I've seen, you know, 70, 80-year-old people that are hike all the way in, and obviously it means a lot to a lot of different people. A high percentage of the people up there aren't even hikers. They don't do this routinely. They may not have ever hiked that many miles in their life. And for some reason, when they come to Yosemite, they think that's the thing to do. And it combines a lot of the aspects of wilderness experience. Certainly the, the risk or the perceived risk of going up the cables adds to that. It heightens people's experience. It heightens their awareness. You know, all those little problems that you, you had that you brought with you, they really are little problems on top of Half Dome. You know, so I think that's one of the reasons why people go up there. It's not just so they can have that view looking out, it's that clearer view looking within. You know, it does seem, just from me talking with people that hike the trail, that a lot of the people up there this is like a big milestone in their life in some way. There's more to it than just reaching the top of Half Dome. It's accomplishing some goal or it symbolizes something in their lives. One of the most amazing things was seeing these family groups where three generations of the same family were hiking together. Where else do you see that? You know, it's just astonishing. Or people telling these stories about how Half Dome changed their life because they climbed it one time just because it was the thing to do, but it introduced them to the wilderness and it turned them into a wilderness lover and a hiker. And they went on to, to do that you know, the rest of their life. I met a cancer survivor once who, who was determined to get well enough to climb Half Dome. A lot of people try and do it before they reach a certain age. You know, they, they, it just symbolizes a lot to them. So many stories that are just tied into that one thing that you don't here necessarily with other places, but I hear it a lot with Half Dome. People do come back year after year and, and uh, bring their friends, bring their families, um, and they sure don't forget it. You'll hear those stories over and over again. I think that just kind of lends to the aura of the whole, the whole thing that, you know, it's almost kind of magical in some ways, and that's not something I usually say as a scientist, but Half Dome does evoke emotions, you know, and feelings and interests on a whole scale. I think that's why it appeals to artists and scientists alike and everybody in between. You know, it's got some kind of appeal for everybody.